Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, the Young Guns are taking over the TFL podcast today because Case and I are discussing some really fun stuff on this podcast. I was just in Germany driving a one-off Mercedes that'll go over 700 miles on a single charge. We're going to talk about french fries. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about oat milk versus regular milk. But there really has been actually a ton going on at the office. We've all been traveling, so there's a bunch to break down here. And it starts with this spectacular trip that you just did to Germany. You did a lot. I was very fortunate. Yeah, last minute we got a call from our friends over at Mercedes-Benz and said, hey, do you want to come to Germany and drive some cool stuff? So I said, absolutely, that sounds amazing. And what we're looking at here is the uh, EQXX, the Vision EQXX, which is a one-off electric car, although more on that in a second, which was designed to go a thousand kilometers or 620 some miles on a single charge. That's the funny thing about it. You look at that and you think, wow, that's got to be the fastest thousand horsepower car that Mercedes has ever made. It's, it's not that. Uh, no, <laughs> no. So it's a supercar in terms of efficiency. So the idea was that they wanted to prove that they could build a car that would go 1,000 miles on one charge. So they, uh, they basically spent a huge amount of time in the wind tunnel on streamlining, and they came up with a stunning-looking car, which, as Case said, I mean, could have 1,000 horsepower. And if you're not watching on YouTube, definitely check out my YouTube video because it's a freaking cool, vi- cool video and a freaking cool car. But yeah, the whole purpose was just see how far they can make it go in one charge. So it's got like 201 one horsepower. You right. saw this, didn't you, in person? Yeah, so I saw I saw sort of a concept of it. It wasn't a running vehicle. Um, they didn't have it so that you could open up the door. It was, it was just a display. Mm. Uh, but still, even that, walking around it, it was a very detailed display, like the biggest, coolest die-cast car that anybody has ever had. And walking around it was unbelievably impressive because it's not a tiny car. It's got a really big footprint in this crazy body shape that doesn't look like any other vehicle that I think has ever existed. But the funny part about it is in order to be so aerodynamic, the actual interior cabin is is pretty small. Right. Well, they had to keep it low because they wanted to minimize the kind of the frontal profile. But uh, what I still don't understand is like a lot of manufacturers do these concept cars and a lot of them are like what Kay said where it's a beautiful display made out of clay that you can't open the doors and will never run. So they did that and then they made it into a running and driving car. But not only did they do that, but they've actually been using it on roads and been they've been taking it on road trips. And like you get in the thing, it's got, um, you know, like 
all the buttons work, all the windows go down, the, the, the seat controls work. Uh, it's got this insane like 47-inch screen from the left to the right, and the whole screen works. It's not like a mock-up like we see so many of. So it feels like a car you could probably go out and buy in the next year or so. The turn signals, the lights, the horns, everything works like a brand new car, but it's just a one-off. So that makes me think like, are they gonna build it? Like why go through all that effort to develop floor mats for it? and then not do anything with it. Yeah, in true Mercedes fashion, this concept is more refined and more put together than some <laughs> production cars that we see roll through. And uh, yeah, you have to wonder, I mean, how much money in research and development did they put into that? I mean, didn't they even bring in their Formula One team to help engineer it to be absolutely as precise and efficient as it could possibly be? Yeah, they worked with the batteries. So it's got a, th a 100 kilowatt hour battery um, to go that thousand kilometers. And they've actually done it, which is cool. So, so a lot of the companies will make these claims, like, oh, our car will do 350 miles an hour, and they never actually do it. But Mercedes got behind the wheel, drove from, from Stuttgart all the way down to the south of France, 1,000 kilometers. They still had 140 kilometers left in the battery. So they decided to do another one where they drove it from Stuttgart all the way to Silverstone in the UK. It was like 1,200 miles they drove it on one charge, over 700 miles. Oh, and what else is really impressive about the engineering behind this car is that they did a lot to make it really lightweight. So Mercedes claims it weighs around 3,858 pounds which is about a thousand pounds less than a Tesla P100D. Yeah. So, you know, same size battery, right? But a lot lighter. And also because of the shape of this car, the drag coefficient is 0.17, which is incredibly good. That's incredibly efficient. And then it's got all kinds of crazy stuff like an 8K screen with all of these 3000 dimming zones so that it doesn't have to use more energy than necessary to have this really big, beautiful display. And then the interior is all these sustainable recycled materials like bioplastics. And uh, they even have leather alternatives that are made from plants like cactus and mushroom. <laughs> yeah, right. Weird, yeah. Right? So just really, really out there tech. But Exploring that type of thing is how you get these developments in future product. Even if this car doesn't come to fruition, doesn't become something that you can buy, those kind of advancements could potentially make their way into a production car. They went to Bridgetown and they're like, hey, we need tires. And they said, okay, what do you want? And they're like, well, they need to be 16520s. And they said, okay, we can make that happen. And then they said, and we want you to shave down the sidewall so that the letters don't have any impact on the aerodynamics. Which is the most German thing that Incredible. I've ever heard because it's all about these numbers, statistics, specifications, and 201 horsepower, that's not like a mind blowing figure. No. But what is really impressive is they claim 95% of the energy makes it to the wheels. Which is crazy, so an EQS is already really efficient at 90, but this is 95. And yeah. so I took it on this like 10 mile test drive around their basically proving grounds. And it's the weirdest thing driving. It's so aerodynamic that you'll be like on a slightly downhill. I mean, it's basically flat, but it might be just slightly downhill and the car will actually pick up speed just because there's, there's no wind turbulence. I even asked them, I said, it'd be cool if you could like try to drive it I don't know, 2,000 kilometers, like right. draft a, a semi. And they said, actually, that would make it less efficient. Huh, I said, what do you mean? Because of the turbulence? Yeah, they said really? that it's one of the only cars where it's so aerodynamic that it's been designed to, to run in clean air. And the turbulence of like a semi or a box truck would actually be worse for aero than just driving it by itself. So how terrifying was it to drive this car? Horrifying. It was, <laughs> it was I mean, it was, like I said, it was a sorted automobile, but 
you got to think if that's what 10 million euros uh, it's got to be 15 million euros 20 million you're driving and yeah i was um I, I was like i'm 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 so sorry but this beautiful suede steering wheel which is made out of mushrooms or something is going <laughs> to be covered in sweat by the time i'm done with it yeah. the guy was like oh that's fine but yeah we drove around the proving grounds and the way the proving grounds work is uh, they want to simulate all sorts of different roads um, in all sorts of different countries so like you drive a mile in germany and then like the road markings would change completely and they'd be like all right now we're in korea and you're like what? And then and then we'd be like, oh, now we're in America. Enjoy your burger units. So uh, it was pretty cool, kind of going from from that 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 side of the world to other sides in like the matter of two miles. Because they need to test like how the car fits on every road, right. how the autonomous features work, that kind of thing. So aside from the crazy things that we've already talked about, does it drive like a typical electric car? Does yeah. it regen when you let off the throttle? What is it like? Yeah, it's got three different regen modes. It's got a, a coast mode, it's got um, a standard regen, and then an, a double regen mode, and then like kind of a standard mode, so really four. Yeah, and double regen though, like you let off and the thing just dives, <laughs> like the front end dives and you come to a stop really quickly. So it, it's pretty comfortable. Um, you can really tell it's lightweight. It, it kind of feels like you're driving a race car and where it's pretty stiff. Right. Um, I, they had the, did they show you this when you saw it? The, the, like the rear subframe, the way they designed it? No, it was just a static model. So have you ever seen like a race car where they'll have like a structure of the car and then they'll like punch holes to yeah. reduce weight? Yeah, speed holes. Speed holes, darn straight. <laughs> so what they have in this is a rear subframe, but the speed holes were designed by a computer, an algorithm. And it's the most incredible thing that you've ever seen because like the engineers don't really understand why the computer made the decision that it did. So you yeah. see the way that the, the chassis actually rises up to uh, the, the, the point above the rear tires. And rather than having like a flat piece of metal, you get this, um, it looks like the trees in Avatar. Do you remember that movie right. Avatar with the blue yeah. people? Yeah. Where like the trees kind of like <laughs> grow remember. in little circles and like spirals. Um, and it's not like one continuous fat piece of metal. The engineer is like, you know, when humans try to make something strong, we just start adding material and adding material and then eventually yeah. it's strong enough. What the computer does though is it looks at where the load forces are and then says, well, we can make it thinner here, make it a little thicker here. But it, it seriously, it looks like a tree was connecting the frame to the top of the, uh, the shock pillar. Well, this is getting slightly off topic, so I'll, I'll make it short. No, but, go for it. But it is kind of wild to see how a lot of things in nature are are as good as they could possibly be because it's process of selection, right? So it's, it's kind of cool to see that science engineering is yeah. working towards a point where it's almost mimicking organic, like, you know, it's, it's getting away from our traditional uh -huh. human thinking and very mathematical and yeah, we're gonna have these big steel beams and that's strong. It's, it's almost going back towards a more organic type of design because that's, that's in a lot of situations the most structural and the most efficient way to build something. And it totally looks organic. I mean, it does. You're like, why is there a fern connecting the chassis to the shock <laughs> right. tower, right? And they're like, well, I mean, we ran it through the algorithm and the computer determined that you can shape material here, you add more material here. Of course, the issue then is like the manufacturing process. You basically have to um, mold every, like you can't just cast a, yeah. a, a literal tree shock tower. You have to kind of have molten metal flow into it. But that's, I think, the future because the amount of weight they save doing that is insane. Yeah. Right? Just insanity. And it's stronger than if the stupid fat-fingered humans just started putting stuff where it didn't belong. And then the, the other technology that you got to explore further was the Level 3 autonomous driving, which is something that I actually had a chance to check out briefly 
uh, at a Mercedes event in Los Angeles, and then you got to see it even more in Germany where a lot of it was developed. So we ha we've experienced like Super Cruise, which is pre-mapped highways in the US where it's yeah. like hands off, but then it's watching your eyes. Uh, Blue Cruise is like that too. But what Mercedes is doing is they're trying to take it to a next level where they're saying under certain situations, yeah. the car can actually drive itself without- Which is level three. Right. And then like there's one through five in this level three. And it's kind of the first time we're seeing that, but they have to be very specific situations. Yeah, so from my trip, I jotted down the criteria. So they're actually working on making it legal here in the US, California and Nevada to begin with. Um, and there's a lot of conditions that need to be met for level three autonomy, because like you said, when level three is engaged, you can watch a movie, you can do anything. You don't actually have to pay attention. You don't have to have your hands hovering over the wheel like you do in most of the systems that exist now. So level three requirements for the US. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to buy a really nice S-Class that has this level three autonomous tech, it would be required that it's light outside, can't be dark, Yep, has to be fair weather, can't be raining, warm temperatures can't be below freezing, you have to be going below 40 miles per hour on a pre-mapped highway in a state where it's legal, and you have to have a lead car in front of you for your car to follow. Which is a lot of conditions. And a safety vest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to have a safety vest, all kinds of measures. And, and even what, what the car has internally in order to go from your typical S-Class that already has a lot of driver aid technology, the additions are a LiDAR sensor, which is not cheap, uh, a moisture sensor, a camera that looks at the driver. You also have to have a positioning antenna array that knows exactly where the car is, uh, ultrasonic sensors, and you have to have redundancy for the steering, <laughs> braking, and the power to the car. Yikes. So it's, it's a lot that goes into taking a normal S-Class to the point that it's at, which is already a very advanced vehicle, and then bringing it to the next stage where it can do level three autonomous driving. So LiDAR, <laughs> LiDAR is one of those things too where um, uh, you can like you can kind of hide cameras and radar in a car, yeah. but like lidar is a pretty freaking big sensor. So they actually are starting to sell the system in Germany now, and, and we drove the cars equipped with it. And it looks like they have nostrils. Yeah. Did you see that on your yeah. test car? There's like these two boxes on the front of the car. And I said, is that how it's going to look? And they're like, yeah, that, that's the lidar sensor. Yeah. Um, and I think in Germany they were saying it's about a five thousand dollar option, five to seven thousand euros, on top of a standard car, but. Like, explain how it worked in your trip. What's the idea behind it? I mean, the idea behind it is you get into a situation on the highway where you're in traffic, you have a lead car, you're not going super fast, um, and it's a bright, sunny day, like it was in California when we did it, mm -hmm. like it is most days in California. Um, and that could be useful in a lot of situations, especially around L.A. where we were, where you're often, if not almost always, in traffic. <laughs> I could see that being useful. The other cool thing about it, because you know, at the time I was thinking, hearing all these conditions, I was thinking, wow, that's a lot of conditions to have to meet for this one feature on a car. But in a way, it's, it's more than just that one feature of level three autonomous driving, because with all these additional sensors technology, the car becomes that much smarter in every way. So it becomes even more aware of its surroundings. Driver assistance technology over time is just gonna continue to get better and better and smarter and it's going to work 
even better than it does now. But um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's maybe not a slippery slope isn't the right word, but it's you're getting to a point where it's diminishing returns. I mean, how how much more technology can you throw at a car? <laughs> well, I mean, I think they're going to go to the point where like you're the driver is irrelevant. That's where it's leading. Right. Uh, it's it which was going to be hard to do. Yeah, which is we're a long ways out. We're even even though this was amazing, we're a long ways out. It's kind of a weird dichotomy though. So in Germany, it's the same thing. You could only use it under. 65 kilometers an hour, so like right, 35. Similar speed, yeah. Yeah, only on pre-mapped German highways or the autobahns, and it's designed for like really, really, really heavy traffic. Yeah. And the way uh, the way it works, I like you did a great description. The only thing I think I'll add is I don't know if in the U.S. it's like this, but in the German cars there's this extra hump on the roof where they have a second GPS module, so that they have really precise precisioning on where the car is not only. Um, in the world, what highway you're on, where you're on the highway, but like physically where the vehicle's sitting in what lane. Yeah. So it can really see exactly where it's at from satellites and um, positioning. And then you basically get in it. In the German spec cars we were on, we they took us out onto their oval test track. And they, this was a big deal. They had like 15 people in other Mercedes simulate yeah, traffic. Which is a lot of coordination of of cars to put on a test track. Anyway, like they were all Mercedes cars, obviously, but like they had EQEs and EQCs and they had a guy in a semi truck and it was really cool. And then they're like, all right, push this button and the car is just gonna drive itself. And then, like you said, Case, typically you, it's like monitoring your eyes. And this system, I'm like, so can I like watch a movie? And they're like, yeah, let me dial up a movie. So they stuck a TV show on the screen and it was some doctor get, have, giving birth to a baby. It was the most bizarre thing it's I've ever seen. German thing. Very German <laughs> TV show. Um, and they're like, could I be on my phone? And they're like, yeah, really? So <laughs> Germany is the most buttoned down country in the entire world about like phone loss. Like you even so much as answer your phone in a car straight to jail. Right. You know, thousand years, you're never getting out of jail. But there, they're like, sure, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're, I guess. You're young, it's go level, send a Snapchat. It's level three. Yeah, like it's, you're supposed to be able to trust a car to drive in traffic, basically completely. And I, I, I don't, I didn't have a chance to really get into like the rules. Like, well, what if the car gets an accident? Who's responsible? Is I mean, right. So there's a whole world, but yeah, it's a, it starts to get philosophical yeah. at a certain point, right? Um, and then they gave us like, uh, they kind of demonstrated cool things it can do. So like, at one point, the whole traffic stopped, and then this person in front of us in this SUV put his car into reverse and went. Full throttle backwards, right toward the front of this. Really? Yeah, that the simulated sound, right toward the front of this hundred and thirty thousand dollars class. And I was like, Oh God, what do I do? <laughs> and the the car like immediately slammed on the horn for itself. Kudos to the test really? driver because he was backing up at me like twenty five miles an hour and stopped within like six inches of the front of this thing. <laughs> like it scared the actual crap out of me. Um, and then what it does, because like you said, it doesn't have to monitor your eyes so much. Yeah. It only makes sure that you haven't fallen asleep. Right. So if it senses that you've fallen asleep because you're looking down for too long, it'll pull the car over, unlock the doors, and call the police. <laughs> it's going to call the cops on you? Yeah, it'll call. And the paramedics because the things maybe you've died. That's the other right. thing. Right. Um, but it was a pretty interesting system. And like when you were on your U.S. drive, I think they had to have their hands on the wheel the whole time, didn't they? So yeah. So it's kind of like hard to like it's show hard to on demonstrate camera. it, yeah, because the test drivers, again, there's a lot of rules that they have to follow because this technology is still being developed. So the test driver had to keep his hands there. Did your U.S. cars have the um, camera in the rear window? Uh, I... I don't remember if I saw one. These ones do, and what they use that for is um, they brought out a cop car actually onto the test track and like lit it up, um, and it's like warning: there's emergency vehicles, take control, and then you're supposed to take control. It's pretty wild. I mean, yeah. um, I do worry about the future of driving, but 
Yeah, because yeah, we like driving. We, we do like driving. But also, a lot of people don't and, like driving, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of okay with this level uh, if it would stay here. Because, like, I love driving, but not in LA traffic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and that kind of thing makes sense to me. And especially with all these conditions, right? You can see how the car would work because you're on a pre-mapped highway. So it knows what lines, what markers it should be looking for. It knows the road. Uh, it can see everything because the weather is good and it's bright outside. You get to a certain point and like people always talk about, ah, oh, cars are gonna be driving themselves soon. There's a lot of situations in which uh, it would be really hard for a car to drive itself effectively because there's situations, like, especially out here in Colorado in the winter oh, yeah. where you're in a blizzard Absolutely. and you can't see anything. And a sensor, yeah, you know, it's probably not going to be able to see any better than you. So there's just so many variables, so many conditions. So for that to become a widespread thing where everybody is just jumping in the back seat of their car and on their laptop and their car drives them to work on every day <laughs> yeah. of the year, you know, something like that, I think, is a long way down the road. Well, you'll, you'll notice like, so there's these autonomous taxi companies like Waymo and you'll notice the pilot programs are always in like Phoenix <laughs> or like Vegas, right? Yeah. Like states and, and areas where they have a lot of sun and yeah. a lot of like good weather. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. No, it was cool though. It was it was definitely an interesting experience. Um, and I also think we need to find a better way to hide the LiDAR sensors because having these like nostril things on the front of the car. Yeah. You or I, <laughs> neither of us could give up the aesthetics of a car. Yeah, no amount nostrils. of technology. No yeah. way. No way. Um, yeah, so we did that. And then I drove the EQXX. And then I drove the very first agreed upon uh, internal combustion vehicle. Yeah. The uh, the Benz patent motor wagon. Yeah, the patent motor wagon. Um, which was produced when? 1880s? 1885 through 1885. 1885 through 1893. Wow. This was a series yeah. one. So it was a, well, OK. Basically, there are two of them in the whole world. One of them is in a museum in London, and then Mercedes has the other one. But then 20 years ago, there were enough museums. Actually, I think it was one collector who started who said, I really want one. Mercedes said, well, we're not going to build you one. That's ridiculous. And then he said, well, what if we can get 150 of them together? And Mercedes said, that's ridiculous. And then they got 150 of them together. So the Mercedes company themselves actually built 150 exact replicas of them to the, like the the wheels the spokes everything and could you imagine how painful that must have been for the german engineers looking at like we <laughs> yeah. could improve this so much <laughs> <laughs> gotta produce it the same way the carburetor so you drove it. yeah the carburetor literally looked like a bucket um but yeah i drove it it was they sold them for fifty-five thousand euros 20 years ago yeah and it's got three wheels and you steer it not with a wheel no, it's like you steer it with like the handle from a weed whacker. Like a, like a tiller. It's like a tiller. Yeah. It's like a sailboat. Yeah. And then you sit on the left side of the car. And basically what it does is you have one cylinder, which spins this enormous flywheel. And then there's a belt that connects a f another flywheel to the drive shaft. And you push forward on a lever. And long story short, it basically tensions the belt yeah. against the drive shaft. And then but you move. Something that you just said there will put to bed... Uh, a long debate, which you said you, you in the first car, mm -hmm. agreed upon first car, you sat on which side? The left side. Yeah, that's the true. The correct side. I think you're going to say the first car to CVT, so therefore every car has to have a oh, CVT. <laughs> you really think I would say that? <laughs> no, it was cool. It only went 15 kilometers an hour. Um, which has got to be terrifying. And You know what's alarming, though? This is really alarming to me. How come... A hundred and what forty? Jeez, that was I, I gotta. I want to get the math right. Yeah. Um, Twenty twenty two minus eighteen eighty five. 
137 years later, the car still runs on the exact same stuff that this one does. It's good stuff. It's, is it the good stuff? I like it. I mean, we don't have steering tillers anymore. Why are we still running it on gasoline? <laughs> well, there's a few things to improve. <laughs> <laughs> it had this water tank on it. Um, and you'd have to fill up the water tank like every five or ten kilometers. For coolant? Or? Yeah, it was a, it was water cooled. And I but said, it wasn't a closed cooling system. It was, it was like, like pour yeah, water on the ba- head, basically. <laughs> it's basically a bucket <laughs> with a spigot. No, yeah, it was some French like, oh, this is the Troisant water cooling. I don't know some right. like water cooling system from the 1880s. But I was like, that seems very impractical. So the, the you could get like ten kilometers. First of all, the fuel tank was like a coke can. Right. That was pretty stupid. And then the water tank was like a bucket. And I said, how does this work? And they said, well, in the 1880s, every town um, had water trials for horses. So, like, you'd just go. You would take your horseless buggy. A few kilometers. To go drink from the trough. Yeah, from the water, folks. Um, so that was cool. And then they did a 1904 um, Simplex Mercedes, which we got a ride in. And then we got a ride in the most evil car in the entire world, which was this 1938 um, 540K Streamliner. Which is granted a little third Reiki, but it was the most impressive machine I've ever been yeah, in. You said a straight eight and supercharged? 5.4 liter straight eight. Exactly right. It was like 25 feet long, and it was a streamliner, so it looked like an Art Deco airplane. Yeah, very swoopy mm-hmm. aero fenders. All silver, exactly right. Um, and it was just like, it was like spitting oil and just blah, blah, blah. It was so the most pissed off automobile. The way the supercharger worked, though, it's kind of a fun idea. I think we should bring this back. It would only initiate the supercharger at full throttle right so driving around normally it's naturally aspirated and then if you go full throttle there's a whoosh of air as this clutch engages um and then it sounds like a literal hellcat like it just it's a scream of a supercharger but then apparently you can only use it for a minute at a time it overheats oh yeah yeah. well that makes sense but think about that like yeah that is a good idea that could be sport mode on a modern yeah you just push the pedal all the way down you could put it in sport mode, and then it engages a clutch on a supercharger, and then you don't have to deal with the lack of efficiency when you're just driving around normally. I like that idea. It's a good idea. And the thing about this car is it was beautiful and big and swoopy and aerodynamic, and it had, like, 12 inches of ground clearance. should also bring back cars like that. Yeah? That look like that. You think yeah, so? I it's think so. 20 feet long, and it had, like, 6 inches of visibility out the front. Which is enough. <laughs> I mean, look at a Camaro. That windshield is only like this tall anyways. Yeah. I don't know what the parking situation was like in Nazi Germany, but I think it'd be pretty hard to park that thing. Or maybe it'd be really easy. Um, anyways, a cool trip. But yeah, um, yeah I got to, um, got to experience Stuttgart, which is very industrial. It's like, I'd imagine it was like this quaint little German town, but it's... Not exactly. Not exactly. Have you been yeah. to Germany? No, I haven't. Oh, I've we been to get you. the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. You love the driving there. They I drive bet. really quick. Oh, I drove the new EQB too, yeah, which is the electric crossover. It's pretty cool. Uh, no, it's um, that's another thing that Level Three does. They're like the most respectful drivers. Um, they're also, well, they're respectful. But drive quickly. Yeah, but you get, like you got to get places. Um, so, like when you're on the autobahn, everyone thinks you can go 100 miles an hour all the time, but you're usually going 10 miles an hour because there's traffic. This is a great idea, though. Everybody in both lanes of the autobahn scoots to the very edge of the lane when there is traffic and there's a passage right down the middle for emergency vehicles. Oh, that so, is smart. So the shoulder, the shoulder's not very big. So like here in the US, emergency vehicles like weave in and out and try to pass in the shoulder. In Germany, people just know, oh, we'll just scoot over to the edges right against the line and right. then a fire truck or whatever can get through the middle. It's pretty smart. That is smart. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. So while you were on that Mercedes trip, I was out 
on the West Coast in Los Angeles checking out the new Chevy Blazer EV. Yeah. Why did they why did they is it true that they called it the Blazer EV SS? Yeah. There's an SS version. There's an SS Blazer version EV? which you know, maybe a traditional muscle car person would be upset about until you hear that it's got 557 horsepower and 648 pound-feet of torque. Jesus. That's pretty good. Which is pretty good. You know what? So there are a lot of interesting things about the car. Um, up to 320 miles of range, not on the SS. The SS is up to 290. Uh, the okay. SS is also all-wheel drive. But what's really interesting about it is if you get a base model version of the car, it's front-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. If you upgrade to the next step up, so it's a 1LT is the base, 2LT, you have the option of all-wheel drive. But if you get the RS, rear-wheel drive. So That's this weird. is a car that you can get in front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, and all wheel drive. There's probably not a other, not a whole lot of other cars in I the world. Can't think of any. The Rover seventy five. This is a horrible nerd <laughs> fact that I know. For some reason the Rover seventy five from the early two thousands you can get in front wheel drive or rear wheel drive, but all wheel drive as well, huh? Yeah, all three. That's a good question to the audience. If you can think of a car that you can get in front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, and all wheel drive, yeah. Drop us a comment. Was it pretty cool? What did you think of it? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it's it's definitely um, overall pretty nice. I think GM's interiors have been getting better. Um, Design-wise, on the outside, it's not a bad-looking car. It looks similar to the gas-powered Blazer, but more futuristic, more sporty. They said they took a lot of design from the Camaro and the Corvette. Um, a lot of tech in it, no surprise. A 11-inch uh, infotainment screen that's connected to a big 17.7-inch uh, screen in the center. So, yeah, a uh, decent car all around in yeah, 557 horsepower is on it, the SS. Is Pretty it good. based on the Gas Blazer? Is it the same? It's on the Ultium okay. platform. Uh, but, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of its body shape. You look at it and you think, eh, that does look like a Blazer. Kind of starts pretty affordably, doesn't it? Like 40? Yeah, so the starting price is 44995 and if you want to get the SS, it's 65995 to start. So there's, okay, so <laughs> the base one's front-wheel drive. Yep. And then the RS is like the babe, the door of the Explorers so for one sports. So it's 1LT, 2LT, RS, SS. And the RS is rear-wheel drive. And uh, yeah, you can S also do all-wheel drive on the RS. And then the SS is only all-wheel drive? Yep. I mean, would you really want it to be rear-wheel drive with 557 horsepower? Yeah, for those yeah, mad I guess donuts. it would be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool, actually. I wonder if, like, going forward, we'll have, like, a burnout mode. What is cool is that the, the version of the Blazer EV that gets 320 miles of range is the rear-wheel drive RS. Oh, wow. So it's not the front-wheel drive one. No. So This seems like a lot of money they're putting into three different... <laughs> It's a lot of options that are very different. That's not like, oh, you can get one that has this color stitching and one that has that color stitching in a different badge. Or it's yeah, those those are big differences. So is the SS just a one LT plus an RS equals an SS? Is that the math? The no, link? from the sound of it, uh, it's it's a different motor that they put in it. But there's still it's hard to say because there's still a lot of details on the car that they haven't released yet. So. Um, 190 kilowatts of charging. Oh, wow. That's pretty um, good. Yeah, and, and they say you can put up to 78 miles worth of charge back in it in 10 minutes, but they haven't revealed charge times from 0 to 80 or 0 to 100. They haven't even revealed the actual size of the battery itself, how many kilowatt hours battery. We don't know yet. 
Um, what they did say is that they're going to put the biggest battery in a version of it that we can't buy, which is the PPV, police pursuit vehicle. So they're going to make a police version of the Blazer EV. No way. Yeah. That's and pretty it's, crazy. And it's going to be based on the SS and have the Brembo brakes and... Uh, but obviously different interior. What you're saying is you're no longer getting away from cops in your mini. No. Well, you couldn't <laughs> Not get away that from I cops in your mini in the now. first place, yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, here's an interesting question. Th this is why I asked that. So the EQB I just drove coming to the States, there's two models. There's the 300 and the 350. And like the way it used to work in a gas car, if you go back to like the old BMW days. Old days. Yeah, like you had a 318, which was a 1.8 liter four-cylinder, and you're the 325, which was a 2.5 liter six cylinder. Well, obviously, like an EQB 300 is not a three liter electric motor. Um, but the thing that I want to get your opinion on is EQB 300 is 230 horsepower. EQB 350 has 300 horsepower. So it's a pretty big jump. Yeah. And it's the exact same hardware between the two. So the motors are the same, the battery's the same. That's it's disappointing. Only software that makes the 350 faster. This is the thing that. I, I mean, there, there's certain things about new vehicles. Both of you and both you and I like classic vehicles. Yes, that's, that's why we do a lot on the classics channel. We're kind of old school guys, despite our age. Uh, so there's a number of things on modern vehicles that frustrate me from time to time. But I think the most disappointing thing is that there's certain vehicles now that have built-in capability that you have to pay extra money for in order to access, which to me is just fundamentally wrong because that would be like buying a house and you have to pay the person extra to get access to a room in the house, right? If your vehicle can do something, but you have to pay the person that made it more money just to access it, is the vehicle even really yours? Mm, that's interesting. So I don't know. I just, yeah, it's it's weird to me that you'll buy a vehicle and it has this capability and you're just not allowed to. And so I'm looking up right now. I'm trying to figure out... Um uh, what the price difference is. I think it. I think it's going to be pretty substantial. Uh, the other company doing that is like Tesla, right? You could buy a Model 3 and then pay 2500 bucks or something and make it go a lot quicker from 0 to 60. Yeah. So, but I mean, technically there are changes though. It's not just, I mean, there's software changes. But if you're paying money, do you want like different nuts and bolts? Right. Is that what you're saying? But I, but to me as well, like if, if you have a buddy who does computer science, right? And he could go in and change the software himself. That, well, they won't allow you to do that. Well, in an, even if you could, you would have voided your warranty so exactly. far. So then in my mind, it's like, oh, do you really even own the vehicle? Because they're, they're not charging you for extra work that they have to do. They could easily just release that feature to you. They just don't because they want more money. Well, they Which are is a they little are, bit of a bummer. They are a for-profit company, but yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. Again, um, I mean it just—it's no extra skin off their back to give you. Okay, so that how about capability. this? If like, so your mom had a Mercedes ML, which she loved. It was her favorite car of all time. <laughs> Hardly, but sure. <laughs> um, Case's mom had this old Mercedes ML that had a, a what was it? A nut wow. that fell off the. Oh yeah, some some nut fell off of the steering column of my mom's Mercedes, and from the time she bought it, she would like accelerate, and you would hear clunk 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 clunk. <laughs> and get on the brakes and you hear clunk, 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 clunk. Was that purposely like a major third that you just sang? Because that was pretty good. You, you just, that was pretty yeah, good. That, Very like musical. Uh, yeah. So apparently we had the car for a long time. We brought it in a couple times to the Mercedes dealer saying, uh, there's something weird here. Um, and then come to find after too long of a time uh, that it was part of the steering. Yeah. That was the dark ages of Mercedes reliability. <laughs> Anyways. So if your mom had that ML 
and then put a turbocharger on it, they would also not accept the warranty. Right, but that's adding physical things to the car. That's adding a real material thing. Well, ones that and zeros are a money. thing, isn't it? Yeah, but once it already <laughs> exists, what does it take for them to add that to a car? Like copy here, paste. Here's, here's it's it's the same thing with like zero motorcycles, and it's the same thing with Teslas, where. Uh, for example, you can buy a Tesla or a zero motorcycle and you can be going somewhere and run out of power and your vehicle won't move anymore, except that it's not actually out of power. You're just not allowed to access part of your battery. So right. they, they say it as this great thing like, how amazing is this? We offer you the ability to upgrade your vehicle over the air. You can, you can give us some extra cash and extend the range or get more power. It's like, but oh, I didn't. It can already do that. The zero already. Does zero do that? They do that as well. Well, so there's two things going on at play, right? Like the first thing is no EV you can use a full battery in because if you were allowed to, you'd run it below its optimal voltage yeah. and then turn it into a paperweight. Um, but like Tesla had this thing a while ago where a Model S 60 was just a software limited version of like a Model S 90. So it's the same right. physical battery, but they only allow to use 70 or 60% of it, which is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, and then of course there was this big hurricane in Florida and then Tesla was like, you can have the full battery for one day. <laughs> you yeah. know, like enjoy your battery. <laughs> which again, that, that just I, highlights that is pretty the seedy. kind of situation where it's like, what if, what if you were in an emergency situation and your vehicle is out of power, except that it's not. <laughs> I, I wonder how that would work. Like you're in your car, you're in your zero motorcycle, it's completely dead. Could you like call them up and be like, here's my credit card number? <laughs> well, you can, I think you can do it through the app. There you so go. So pay three grand. You have, hopefully you have reception yeah, well, to, um, to pay them a good <laughs> chunk of change to be able to get home. Okay. That's, I don't know how much it is. Probably isn't three grand, but it's probably some considerable amount of money. Um, what about this then? How do you feel about like subscription models for like heated seats? You know, BMW's been talking about that a little bit. We, that's also dumb. Is it? Okay. Well, and like, wasn't it in the Tundra that for navigation, you paid a subscription? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And for remote start. Yeah, I'm all for, it's not Netflix. They're not like adding new <laughs> stuff to it, right? Like, this is a feature in the vehicle that is is already there. You paid them money. It's like, either I own it now and I stop paying you money, and this is my thing that I can do whatever I want with, or... Like, if it's not that, then it feels to me like I'm I'm renting this from you. Okay, what about like, this? Okay, now we're going to get real nerdy. So <laughs> say heated seats on that BMW to buy are $1,000. What if they made it so that you just pay every time you want to use your heated seats? Like, it's a buck every time you turn them on. You see? I could see that many... being valuable for somebody. <laughs> I would many... always rather just have the feature and be done paying for it. But I highly doubt that they're going to make the car cheaper. Mm, that's an interesting yeah, point. Like, I don't think they're going to charge you less money up front and say, oh, we're making this more affordable for you by having you pay for it okay. over time. Well, what about this going forward? What if it's like you get pulled over and the cop's like, why didn't you use your turn signal? And be like, I ran out of money. Yeah, that I can't afford turn empty. signals anymore. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm on the same page. I think like if I buy something, I like yeah, I want the whole package. I want the whole thing to be mine. Right. That's the same thing with speedometers. If I buy the whole speedometer, I better be able to use the full speedometer. Yeah, not you be know? limited to 85 or <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Yeah, this EQXX is 87, by the way. Um, no, it's. I think it's a. It's a good point going forward. Like, uh, it's, and and it's weird to like. There's some things which have been subscription for a long time, like OnStar, 
Right, right. Which um, makes sense. They're giving you a continuous service that takes labor. It's not like a thing that they manufacture. They produce it. It's there. Now they don't have to put any extra work into it because it just exists in your vehicle. Series XM is another one, right? Which, yeah. Subscription. Um, and then now, like you point out the Tundra, we have like navigation subscriptions. And I don't know if those are – those. I don't know if that runs through the GPS system or if it's based right. on cellular. And I, I could see I something like a navigation being a system a little bit more like OnStar or Sirius XM where maybe they continue to well, just work on it and add features. Right, yeah, realistically. But what about like remote start? Like there's a button on your key fob and you have to pay to use that button. Yeah, that's hardware. Hardware, okay. So if, that, if that's the yeah, difference. If it's, okay. if it's hardware, if it's something built into your vehicle, I want to pay for it and I want to be done paying for it and have access to okay. it. Okay. So we need to talk about a story. So if you're a big fan of the uh, channels, you know that um, Case has a second-gen Ram 2500. Oh, we're going to go down that road. Oh, yes, we are. And you went on vacation. You took a few <laughs> days off with a girlfriend, and then you went to beautiful Aspen, Colorado. Yeah, which stunning. is the most bougiest, expensive place. Except in... that we were camping because we don't have that much. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you took your second-gen Ram yeah. diesel. Basically, the way that I use my truck is it's kind of more or less uh, a mobile home. <laughs> I, I have a whole camping setup built out in the back of it. We live in Colorado. It's beautiful. All these campsites and sleeping in the back of the truck, I can be comfortable, be well rested, so I can spend weekends climbing, you know, rock climbing, mountain biking, backcountry skiing, whatever I want to be doing on a weekend, that truck gives me access to it, which is a really awesome thing. Or I can go to Aspen and not have to pay however many tens of thousands of dollars it would cost to get a hotel. Right. Uh, because the food itself is already expensive. I looked at a hat in Aspen. Yeah. $1,500. Was it a cool hat? It was a cool hat, but I didn't buy it. Oh, what do you think the re- what do you think it cost? Was it made out of like old natural I think it was alpaca? just made out of hat. Made out of hats. You heard you know, it here first. But it was made out of hat in Aspen, so it costed a lot of money. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we use we use the truck to go camp and go explore around Colorado. Do you it's have a, a really toilet nice in the truck? Thing to have. No, I don't need it. Most campsites have one. And if not, you know, would your girl feel out. better about the truck if it had a toilet? Any V, I don't ever. This is a thing I know about myself <laughs> because my dad has broken this rule that I laid out for myself, and it's gone in the worst possible direction that it could go. Uh, I don't ever <laughs> want to own a vehicle with a toilet on it. Is that a, including boat? Yes, especially a boat. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen how south that can go owning a vehicle that has a toilet on it <laughs> and i don't want any part of it i will go to like a, a little rec center and and use the shower in the bathroom there do you have a bumper dumper no i don't need that <laughs> i think you do we we were out just fine but oh you can't have a bumper dumper this is the this is an issue with pickup trucks this is the biggest flaw with cases camping setup is if you want to take a dump off the bumper you can't get into the back of the truck because the tailgate's in the back so you one person's literally you just trapped. Need a cassette toilet. Well, yeah, good. that's horrible. I do well, not want to deal with feces. Camping bathrooms are not great, no matter <laughs> what way you spin it. But but this is this is a, a definitely a topic to pivot away from. Uh, <laughs> Tommy is bringing up my truck and my trip to Aspen because I've I've lived with the truck for about two years. Yeah, uh, I've had it for a long time. Did a lot of work to it. I bought it initially for eight grand. It was. It was in good shape in the ways that mattered, but it needed a lot of things, and we did a lot to it, all from my driveway um, 
at our own garage. I mean, we've resprayed the truck, went through, did a valve adjustment, tuned up the motor a bunch, got it making extra power, suspension modifications, 35s, um, put a factory bed back on it, patch panels, uh, put a new clutch in it, drop transmission out of the truck and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's a great truck. But on this trip to Germany, or not to Germany, to Aspen, on my way, way back. <laughs> yeah, that would be a long way. Uh, on my way back from this trip to Germany, had a minor incident. Yep. I, uh, I went to a fuel station, filled up the truck with some very expensive diesel, six bucks a gallon, oh, as, it, as it were. They come um, with the hat? <laughs> not even. Oh. Can you believe that? Wow. Filled up the truck with diesel. My girlfriend says, I want to go to Starbucks as a girlfriend does. Mm -hmm. And it's four miles away. So we hook out of the gas station, get on the highway, going down the road. Um, At one point it felt like maybe the truck was breaking up a little bit at higher RPM and I smelled a little bit of diesel. I was like, ah, you know, it didn't break up enough for me to think anything was was really wrong. And I just filled up. I thought, yeah, maybe a little diesel on my shoe. Um, Right down the road, pull left into the turn lane to go to Starbucks, and I look in my rearview mirror and I see my back glass on my topper. It's completely, <laughs> completely opaque. I can't see through it, and the road is dry. So immediately, I know we're leaking diesel. Okay, uh, bad enough for that back to glass cover to the be fo- fogged window. up. <laughs> so as we pull into this left turn lane, I, I crack my windows and yeah, I can smell diesel. We're definitely leaking diesel. So pull over into a parking space, um, immediately shut the truck off, throw the door open. I'm not sitting there making a call or anything. I mean, I immediately cut the truck off, throw the door open because I want to know what's going on. In the Starbucks Where is it coming from? Yeah, right across from the Starbucks. Yep. In Basalt. Sorry, Basalt. And (laughs) I mean, I, I was there for all of five seconds in that parking space. Uh, as I step out and I see the parking space next to me and under me (laughs) is wet, drenched (laughs) with diesel. And the, from, from where I'm standing, the entire engine bay of my truck underneath, it's just raining down diesel from all places from the, the entire engine bay is just draining diesel onto the ground. So I said, Oh shoot is not exactly what I said. (laughs) <laughs> uh, immediately <laughs> pop the hood, throw the hood open. Entire engine is covered in diesel. The grill, the bumper, my mirrors, wheels, tires. Um, you know, my frame is never going to rust again because it's just <laughs> completely coated. Uh, the whole back of the truck covered in diesel. Um, and after some messing around and walking to the auto parts store a mile away and walking a mile back and my girlfriend saying, do you want anything from Starbucks? I'm like, no, You're like, can exactly. you grab a napkin? Do you, do you want a... I did actually have her grab napkins I bet she did. She said, did you want a matcha? Do you want a matcha latte? I was like, I appreciate it, but no, I don't really want a matcha latte right now. Uh, yeah, figured out that the return line on my injection pump had slid back far enough that it wasn't completely off, but a couple barbs of that elbow were exposed. And so the amount of pressure, it was just spraying out of there. Because the truck, as part of it being tuned up, has a lift pump that provides pressure uh, between the tank and the injection pump. So the injection pump is seeing actual positive pressure coming towards it instead of all the pressure of the fuel system coming from the injection pump itself. So there's two pumps. Um, From the factory, it didn't have, or at least when I pulled it apart to install that, uh, lift pump um, it didn't have a clamp on it and I, I didn't touch that part of it 
but that that pressure existing where there was none before is what backed the hose off. So now it's got a clamp on it. I'm sorry, Basalt. Um, <laughs> my truck was fully topped off when I left that parking space at Starbucks. I was at a quarter tank. It's about a 30-gallon tank, and it takes a while <laughs> no. for that needle to move. So, Well, but I, what I think is, I mean, Good the, 10 gallons. the cherry on the top of the story is that um, this area is like the Beverly Hills of Colorado. Like it's Range Rover country and yeah. G-Wagon country. When and, I was walking into stores with Ray-Bans on but and, and my nice corduroys, but, you know, vans and everything, and people... People in the stores would say, oh, how, how's your day going? Good. And then that was the only interaction <laughs> that they would have with you because they know right. you're only wearing Ray-Bans. You're 25. Yeah, you yeah. don't have Golden Goose sneakers. You're not wearing Ferragamo, you know. I don't know what – did you just make those brands up? Is that a, is <laughs> I that probably a said them wrong, but uh, yeah. So this is a very posh part of Colorado. Yes, and not the – first of all, you know, like you would never see a second-gen Ram, even though Case's second-gen Ram is very nice. <laughs> It's not very. It's not all that friendly on penguins to begin with, um, and it's just like a big white truck on big tires. Yeah, right. It's it, this is S class country. Not a very Aspen. Vehicle. And just this image of case it get like drenched in oil in a Starbucks parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, probably when this podcast started, everyone thought, "Oh my God, they're they're just going to be talking about these nice environmental." Electric cars. Yes, and Case has done, undone the entire work yeah. of Mercedes Benz. So Ten million euros <laughs> yeah, in, spent within the span of four miles. Um, uh, well, yeah, so little did you know that this podcast was going to go to an. It could have been much worse. So the, the good news is, if, if it was gasoline, you'd be in a much worse situation. If it was gasoline, because it was spraying everywhere in my in my engine bay, when I was pulling into that parking spot, I saw a little little bit of smoke come out uh, from under the hood from from the grill. And that's because diesel was getting sprayed right on the header. So. And gasoline, uh, I mean, it's way more. Like, have you ever tried more lighting diesel on fire? It's just, it will not. It's flammable, but only just. Barely. It's like olive oil. <laughs> yeah. Like, olive oil is flammable, but it takes a lot of work to make it so. Um, well, I'm glad yeah. you got it sorted out. And I'm well, glad you and were able to clean up the entire city of Basalt. Well, and now all of our viewers who drive Fords are, are going to be over the moon about this new story they have to tell about uh, Cummins trucks. Why? Okay, why is it that Ford and Cummins people are more competitive than Ford and Chevy people? people. I don't know. What don't is it about Chevy it people that don't draw the same excitement? One thing I will say to my truck's credit, this is the, the only other issue I've had with it in the whole time I've owned it was that the alternator went bad at one point, which they do eventually over time. Truck is 30 years old. It's got 260,000 miles on it. Um, I'm putting out about twice as much power as the truck did from the factory. And it's been a it's solid, been reliable. solid bulletproof vehicle. Uh, it drives better than some. It my truck drives better than your 2019 Gladiator well, okay. that was on a Mopar lift. Well, that's a bold move. It uh, it steers mm. better. It doesn't ride better. But it steers <laughs> better. It, it it's, the, it's a great truck. The real magnificent. I love thing. that truck. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm. It's a good unit. Have you seen an O1 Aztec in yellow? By the way, if you're out there listening right now and you have an 01 Aztec in yellow, send me an email, tfoclassics at gmail. You will genuinely. I will genuinely buy that from you right now. It has to be no one and it has to be yellow. I had the black one and it was a great vehicle. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, you had the cooler too and the tent, right? And the tent. Wow. I was actually just having a conversation with these big cheeses at Mercedes-Benz about the 01 Aztec. And they were all stoked? They were actually, they were very, because... When, yeah, you want 01 because of the cladding, right? You got to get the cladding. Believe it or not, they didn't, they... Um, the, the, the very kind folks in Germany did not know what the Aztec was until Breaking Bad. 
and that show catapulted it. Yeah, it did a lot for the Aztec. You know, you see a lot of in Germany Ram 1500s. Interesting. Isn't that weird? I would not guess that. And I and I because of the Daimler Association. No, I think they sell them there. And I said, so who buys Ram 1500s? And then they were like, well. A very certain type of person. I'm like, all right. German rednecks. Yeah, right. German rednecks is who <laughs> buys Ram 1500s, which is awesome. But I saw like three of them in a day, uh, which I think is just hilarious. No, I mean, the other thing which is more amazing than Case's truck is Case's Mini Cooper. He's driven it 100 miles, hundreds even. Hundreds of miles. And it has not broken. My Mini, yeah, my Mini Cooper. That is, is a remarkable. Just went over 100,000 miles and it's not broken yet. Well. That's 100,000 is just <laughs> pushing the envelope. That's pretty yeah. impressive, actually. That's good. But my truck at 258. Just I, goes I would, to show British build quality above American build quality. Uh, so Case doesn't like British cars. Except that I own one. Yeah, yeah. He, but he hates them. I don't understand why. I I'm, get so I'm excited. I'm not about, excited about these little roadsters with motorcycle engines. They're you not know, motorcycle. Uh, they're real cars. I, they, we just talked about the... Who are you trying the, to convince? Uh, everybody, uh, Jensen Healy. <laughs> Are you trying to up the price on these cars? I, think, <laughs> I would think that you would like that. They're Nobody just, likes these awkward little. No, they're cheap and they're fun and they're not as unreliable as some people say they are. It's it's a grocery cart. Did I show you with the, a little Harbor Freight motor? Not a grocery cart. And no roof. These are okay. Do you like the Miata? I think it's all right. I'm the, not big on most convertibles. The Miata is literally a reincarnation of the Lotus Elan, one of the greatest sports cars in history. Then how come the Miata? is around and there's like how many british roadsters are there still well they did have a slight quality problem throughout much of the 60s and the 70s and the you 80s and the 40s and the 50s but apart from that i just think that like <laughs> here's the thing this is what i got to convince cases they're an affordable way to have a lot of fun in a classic car you want to buy a classic porsche 80 grand i would much rather get if i want an affordable classic car i would much rather get a little k car that's like not a, as fun. A little, isn't it doesn't though? doesn't handle as well. What about slower handling? They handle beautifully. Here on the front They're range, slower. we've got the straightest, flattest roads. Yeah, you would them, think we're in Colorado, like, oh, we've got the best driving roads. If you go up into the mountains, it gets cold go. enough there you go. that mountains. the roads are just absolutely hammered, and they're cracked and tar snakes. Well, if they have tires, they'll, they'll take it. They have good driving roads in Colorado. You've have you been up like They're all right. West Magnolia? See, I'm from the Appalachian Mountains where you go on all these very just like very little traffic and waterfalls and trees. You get rear-ended by tractors, run well, into waffle houses. By, you might rear-end a tractor. You're not likely to get rear-ended. Well, British sports cars are pretty slow. You might get rear-ended by tractors. <laughs> you get waffle houses. No, we have great driving roads in Colorado. What do you mean don't have good driving roads in Colorado? I'd much rather get like a little Honda Acti and put no. a little Honda motorcycle in the back of the Acti and a rooftop tent on top. It'll fart. Fart. It'll fall over if you fart too hard in that thing. The thing about a British car is you can you can zip around these twisty roads flat out, be doing forty miles. Well, you an can't hour. because it won't work. It, <laughs> so have you seen the? It's great in theory. Have you seen the Austin Healey Frog Eyed Sprite? That is one of the least attractive cars I've it ever seen. Genuinely, one of the cutest cars in history. Oh my Girls God. love them, by the way. <laughs> Girls don't care they about know, what car you drive. They don't care about Challengers and Mustangs and Rams, but they do care about bug-eyed sprites. You know, you, if, if you want to impress a girl, don't, don't get a fancy car. Get a dog like Blaze. That's true. And a bug-eyed sprite. <laughs> I, seriously, they're cute. Do you think anyone was prepared for the tangents? Like, the, 
the sheer range and diversity of things of that we talked about in this, in this show. podcast. We didn't end up talking about French fries or oat milk, which is probably for the best. Well, we'll have that that's conversation. A, that's really a podcast quick. in itself. No, we have another few minutes. I have this theory that the best French fry on the planet, bar none, is the McDonald's French fry. See, we won't even get into our argument here. I like Chick fil A fries. Tommy likes uh, McDonald's fries. I like the taste of oat milk. Tommy has never tried oat milk. <laughs> yeah, um, but I can tell you it's not milk, so I'm not going to like the taste of it. It's good. It doesn't have a it teat. Tastes, it tastes it tastes doesn't have a teat. It's not milk. Almond milk, not milk. Soy milk, not milk. You can call it, how about <laughs> oat beverage? Oat beverage. You can call it oat and then beverage. you'll try it? And then I'll try it, yeah. Okay. If you bring me some oat beverage, I will give it a yeah. go. Chocolate flavored, I think you'll preferably. like oat, oat beverage. They um, make... They make chocolate-flavored oat beverage. Anyway, this is an achievable goal. The thing you have to take away from this conversation is that Chick-fil-A fries are sad and soggy and, and never crisp. Waffle fry is the correct cut. Waffle fry is not the correct. It's just a potato. We can go ahead and rank All right, fry cuts here. Rank, rank. Waffle no, fry number one. Absolutely not. Then a shoestring. Yes. Right. Sure. Uh, and then, I don't know. And then there's just a lot of not that great ones. Crinkle cut fries are very mid- uh, curly fries. Ooh, curly fries are at the are, very bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And also not big on the wedges, thick cut fry. I don't oh, want no. like mush in the middle of my fry. But which is why oh. a waffle fry is so good because all the surface area. Too much surface area. Not enough. No crunch. such thing. Not enough crunch. A waffle fry is basically a curly fry in in drag. <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is just not true. It's just a condensed curly fry, and we we'll both agree curly fries aren't very good. We'll let the comments decide, but I I have a a hunch. You're going to get grilled for saying that Chick-fil-A. McDonald's fries are better than Chick-fil-A fries. I love Chick-fil-A. I love Do everything about Do these podcasts about always go this off topic? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Not, not this, this is far pretty, off Yeah, topic. this is pretty far. But I think that a Chick-fil-A French fry has no structure. It has no flavor. It has no purpose on this earth. Well, you the gotta, chicken, absolutely. You got to eat them at Chick-fil-A. Quit driving like a half hour home <laughs> and letting them just marinate in a bag with all their moisture. There's no crunch. There's no salt. There's no salt. Why? Why? What What do they have against salt? Put some salt just on those incorrect. puppies. They're cooked in, uh, what is it, the peanut oil, I, I think? They're which cooked makes in them extra tasty. Tears of sad bunnies is what they're cooked in. They're which just... makes them taste better. <laughs> <laughs> Not very good. Well, anyways, if you have opinions one way or the other, you can let us know in yeah. the comment section below. And I would say that's most of what we have going on here right now because a lot of the guys are in Alaska for the Northern Lightning series. Yeah, they made it to Alaska. Check out TFLEV. They made it to the very northern tip. I just talked to my dad. He sounds beat. <laughs> yeah. It was a long trip. Andre is um, on vacation for once. Andre is at the lake. Yes. Um, you. We just bought a... a um, what is that thing? What did we buy? I don't know. It's slow and low and got big tires. What's that thing called? The TW. Oh, yeah. We bought a motorcycle. Really cool motorcycle. Yeah. Yamaha TW200. Yeah. And then we've got... Oh, that's going up on TFL Off-Road. We just went up. Um, you can see Case drop it like a thousand times at the ranch. Yeah, I threw that bike on the ground a bunch. Yeah, and then what do we have cars-wise? We've got the Mazda MX-50 this week. We've got CX-50. CX-50, you're right. Yeah. And then we've got the Pathfinder Rock Creek. Rock Creek, yep. Yeah, bad of me to say MX-50. CX-50. And, yeah, so we're going to take that off-road right now. Yeah, which are both good vehicles to have here in Colorado. Pretty cool. Because they're slightly more rugged versions of cars that is actually not a pain to drive every day like my truck. Absolutely. Yeah, so let us know what you guys want to see done with those. And if not, we'll see you on the next podcast. Yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.